Hello, everyone. I'm Brad Gray, and welcome to the Teaching Series Podcast. I am a follower of Jesus, and I find the Bible to be absolutely amazing and love helping people experience it anew. Because in my 12 plus years of teaching the Bible professionally, I've learned that most of us have never been taught how to engage the Bible the way it was intended in its original context, and we are missing out on so much. Because when the biblical text is set in its context, it becomes more relevant, compelling, and transformational than we ever imagined. My desire is for all people to experience the Bible this way and to see Jesus at the center of it all. It's to this end that I created the teaching series, which is a weekly video series that explores some aspect of the Bible in its original context and then talks through how we can apply it well to our own context. This podcast is the audio version of those highly visual video teachings, which can be found at walkingthetext.com. So if you find an episode particularly helpful, I'd encourage you to check out the video version as well. And please feel free to rate and review this podcast. Thank you so much for listening, and let's jump into the episode. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode in the teaching series. Hey, before we jump into today's episode, I just wanted to let you know about three big announcements we recently released with respect to walking the text. Maybe you had a chance to watch the short video clips, you read the email, um, but if this is all new to you, just wanted to let you know that we've redesigned a number of the parts of the website. So if you haven't been to walkingthetext.com recently, go check it out. We've got some new content on the homepage. We've made it much easier to deal with this teaching series to find a particular episode and a number of other updates as well. The second thing is, is that we've recently released the trip for Turkey for next year. So if you go to the study trips part of the website, you will see uh, the, the application process for the Turkey trip. You'll also see the other two trips that are going next year, which are to Israel, and there are some spots left on those trips. So go check that out, as well as a brand new promo video for the trip. So if you're like, what are these trips about? Like, what's it like? Go check that out. It's on the study trips page as well. And for those of you who've been with me before, go check it out. It's going to rekindle the experience that you have. And then the third announcement, which is like our big announcement, is that we finally got our tax exemption status. So we've been working on that for some time. And uh, for those of you who have been blessed by walking the text or you want to contribute in some way, you can just check out our donate section and find out the very many ways that you can donate to walking the text, like different means. Uh, to be able to support the work that we're doing because our hope and desire is to continue to make the teaching series and other resources available at Walking the Text completely free for people, totally crowdfunded. And uh, if you'd like to help us and join us uh, in that process, I'd love to invite you to do so. All righty. Well, we are now jumping into the next part of the series that we are on, on Psalm 23. So if you've been following along throughout this series, I hope it has been deep and meaningful to you. Um, Even though most of this stuff I have known for some time, there have been some new pieces that I've learned in my study and preparation for this little mini-series that has been just really, really cool for me, and uh, I hope that you're just really enjoying this. So where we left off in Psalm 23 is that we were here in verse 4, that even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness, or the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. 
Now, we talked in our last episode about the valley of deep darkness, about fearing no evil, and about you are with me. And the thing that I mentioned as we were talking about for you are with me is that the entire psalm changes, if you will, at the moment that God is now on stage. And here's what I mean by that. Up to this point, David has said, the Lord is my shepherd, right? He's personalized it, but he says, he leads me beside still waters. He leads me in paths of righteousness. That's all third person. This is the first time in the psalm where now you are with me. It's the second person. It's now David is addressing God as if God has just stepped on stage of this story. And it's like everything changes in the moment that the shepherd is intimately present with the flock. And David highlights this. Now, this isn't the end of verse four. And by the way, David didn't write these in verses, if you will. Verses weren't added to our Bible into the 16th century AD. So there you go. It's been, uh, David is content connecting the thoughts though. That's, that's obviously the case um, with any kind of writing. So, so the other part of Psalm 23 verse four goes like this. That the reason why, even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. That is that. But what else is with that? Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Okay, so now David is highlighting implements <laughs> that a shepherd carries with them. And so remember, going through the valley of deep darkness, whether it's in broad daylight and you have these dark shadows and you're you know, concerned about the lurking predators, but the same is true, obviously, as it gets late at night and it even becomes more eerie. This is David's context. And he says, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. So I want to talk about the rod and the staff, and I want to begin actually just with the staff, because this one is pretty easy, pretty basic. Uh, when you hear uh, shepherd's crook, this is what we're talking about here. So the staff that a shepherd carries um, is about five feet tall, you know, made out of wood. It's got the curve, the, the crook on the end. Um, and in this particular, you know, statue image of Jesus, you know, holding a lamb around his neck, you can see that very, very clearly. Now, what's also interesting about the shepherd's crook is that, yes, a shepherd would carry it, but because of just how savvy a shepherd had to be and that their primary responsibility, of course, is to provide for their flock, is that this became an image used in the ancient world in connection to rulers and leaders. So, for example, here is King Tut. So the legendary find of all the King Tut stuff. Pharaoh is often depicted with a flail and a crook. So obviously it's a much, you know, truncated version of the shepherd's staff, but you have that there as well. And so that just is something that demonstrates, right, the ability to take care of your community. So Here's a picture, too, of a shepherd. I love this photo. It's in the early 1900s, um, leading it through a wadi in, uh, in Israel. And you can see what the, the shepherd is carrying here was with the shepherd's crook. Now, what was this used for? Okay, well, it was used for a couple of things. One, the shepherd was u- would use it as a walking stick, all right? It makes sense. My family just got done doing some hiking in the Smoky Mountains, and the first thing my kids are doing is they're looking for a really good walking stick. So you've got that. But the reason why the shepherd has the crook, the, you know, the curvature on the end, is that the shepherd will use this if one of the sheep kind of fall off the path or get into some trouble, the shepherd can reach down and pull it back up. 
Um, the fact that it's long, you know, roughly five feet, five feet long is that a shepherd will at times use it to help steer the flock. So if they're going through an area and the, and the flock is, you know, on the heels of the shepherd and the shepherd knows, hey, that sheep goes awry a little bit. The shepherd will oftentimes just kind of hold that out just to protect it and guide it to go, hey, I need you to stay on the path. So the reason why David says, like your staff, it comforts me, is that David knows is that that staff is used never to beat the sheep, but to guide the sheep, to help them in times where they stumble, where they fall, where they get off the path. The shepherd's going to pull them back on and the shepherd is going to use that. And that brings comfort to the flock because they know, ha, ah, the shepherd is using this for my good. Now, sometimes you'll see today um, that it won't have necessarily a crook. Sometimes it does. Sometimes it doesn't, like in this modern photo of an Israeli shepherd. Um, but neither, not nonetheless, you will always see a shepherd with a staff of some sort. Now we come to the rod, and we're going to spend a little bit of time on this because this is the instrument that is used for beating, but again, never the flock. This is to ward off predators, thieves, anybody that's going to try to harm the flock. Now, when it comes to a rod, we're talking about something that is about two to two and a half feet long. Think of it in terms of a club, right? Like a miniature club there. And oftentimes you would put some kind of like iron, metal, or sharp rocks into the end so that it's not just using the club to, you know, thump something to try to knock it out. Like you can do some serious damage digging into the flesh of the animal that is coming after your flock. And one of the things just to keep in mind about how this brings David comfort is that, friends, sheep have no defenses. They have no natural defenses, right? They, 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 they can't bark. They can't claw. You know, they don't have venom in their teeth. You know, I mean, they have nothing. And so they are totally, totally at the hands of the shepherd for their protection. And it's this rod. And again, the shepherd will never use the rod on the flock. He uses it to protect the flock. But uh, there's another aspect to the rod, which is really interesting, that brings the, the flock comfort that has nothing to do with warding off predators. Okay, and let me show you this passage from Leviticus 27:32. This shows up a couple of times, this concept in the scriptures. Every tithe of the herd and flock, every tenth animal that passes under the shepherd's rod will be holy to the Lord. So the shepherd's rod, here's the idea of what it talks about them going underneath it is that there are times where the shepherd is going to count the flock. And oftentimes, almost always, it's at the end of the day when the flock is heading into the fold. So here is a sheepfold, and the shepherd will stand right here at the gate and will hold out the rod. And as the flock goes underneath the rod into the fold, the shepherd is counting. So that if you get to the end of the day and you go, oh my goodness, I didn't realize that one of my sheep are gone, right? You know that. And so when the flock goes underneath that rod, it's, man, my shepherd is aware. My shepherd is intimately making sure that we are all here, that we are all accounted for. And so that's just another way that it brings comfort. And here's uh, a shepherd doing something similar to that um, out with his flock. Uh, this is kind of in the central region of Israel today. 
But again, David is talking about in Psalm 23, this context of going through the valley of deep darkness and that the shepherd has a staff and the shepherd has a rod. Now, I want to talk about one story in the scriptures where the rod is used by a shepherd. And it's also bringing into our conversation the sling. So for some of you, you're like, but wait a minute, like David is a shepherd, but like when he went after Goliath, he killed him with a sling. Why does David not highlight the sling here in Psalm 23? Okay, well, hang with me for a few moments. This is pretty cool how these work in unison. And for whatever reason, David just highlighted the staff and the rod. But let's go to that passage briefly here in 1 Samuel 17, 34 to 35. David has given his resume to Saul as to why he should be able to fight Goliath. And it says this, but David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered it out of his mouth. And if he rose against me, I caught him by his beard and I struck him and killed him. Oh, it's such a great passage, isn't it? He's talking about, okay, a lion here. This is the Asiatic lion. This is at the, uh, the biblical zoo in Jerusalem. And, uh, and David's like, I struck that thing. And with it rose back up, I grabbed it by its beard and I struck it and killed it. So it's like, grab that sucker's beard and see what happens, right? You just see this, this again, the strength and the savviness of shepherds, just how tough they are. And then David says, if a bear came, and this is likely the, the kind of bear also at the biblical zoo in Jerusalem. This is a Syrian brown bear, even though it looks awfully white. Um, it's considered the brown bear. And again, David in the midst of this uses this word struck twice. And now what I want to contend for is that I believe that the first time he's talking about the striking is he's actually using his sling. Now, maybe not. Some argue that he's using the rod in both instances, but I think he's using the sling first and the rod second. Okay. And here's why. Um, the word struck here is the word nakah. And the word nakah in Hebrew uh, means to smite, to strike, or to beat. And when David goes after Goliath, this is just after the incident, it says this in verse 50 of 1 Samuel 17. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and with a stone and struck, there's our word, the Philistine and killed him. There was no sword in the hand of David. So David kills Goliath, right? With a stone from his sling. And the word that is used is nakah. The same word David is using in his resume before fighting Goliath, where he talks about taking out the bear and the lion, where the word nakah shows up twice. Now, I just want to pause for a quick moment with respect to the sling and the stone, because when I grew up, I had this misunderstanding because I had, you know, like the little sling, right, where you've got the handle and it kind of goes around your forearm and you pull back and you've just got the little pebbles that you sling all the way across. Friends, this is not what we're talking about, okay? This is not the kind of sling and stone that was used in the ancient world. So let me show you an image from the Israel Museum, and this gives you an idea of what we're dealing with. First of all, let's begin with the stone. It's not some little pedible. Friends, this is the size of a baseball. 
This is what's been found in archaeological excavation. You see, shepherds didn't, uh, didn't only use the sling. This was a major military weapon for the artillery. And so where you have archers who are slinging or, or, or firing arrows, alongside of them you have slingers who are slinging rocks at the enemy as well. So this was used in ancient warfare. And these are the size of, again, of a baseball, in some cases, the size of a softball. I mean, these things obviously are deadly. And the kind of sling you use, you can see part of it here, is that you would have these two long cords, and they would be anywhere from, you know, like four feet long each. And then you have uh, a piece of cloth or a piece of leather, and it's a pouch. And you stick the rock in here, and you got one cord coming up one way, one cord coming up the other way. And then you take the cords, okay, and you attach them around your pinky, and you attach them around your index finger, and you're taking it, and you're going like this. And then when you're ready to go, you let go of your pinky, and then the stone flies out. Now, here's what's crazy about when you can get a sling going that fast is that these come out of that sling at nearly 100 miles an hour. So it's the equivalent of a major league baseball pitcher, you know, pitching to your face, right? I mean, it's like it is deadly. And in fact, the world record for the longest slung stone was set in 1981 by a guy by the name of Larry Bray, 437 meters. Okay, that's longer than four football fields. Now, at that distance, of course, you know, accuracy declines dramatically, but the point is these things can sail a significant distance. And so David would be using this. Now, how deadly are people who have slings? Well, check out this passage from Judges 2016. Among all these were chosen 700 men who were left-handed. Everyone could sling a stone at a hair and not miss. Now, again, this is talking about used in military you know, terms here. This, these are not 700 shepherds. Um, but the idea of, this is from the tribe of Benjamin, by the way, being left-handed is everybody used their right hand in the ancient world. That was your dominant hand. Um, and when it mentions left-handed, it's saying that these guys are so good that they're ambidextrous. All right, it was like a friend pulled this analogy once and just said it's kind of like, you know, from The Princess Bride where, you know, they're both fighting, if you've ever seen the movie, left-handed and they've both got this smile and he goes, oh, I am not left-handed, you know, and he switch hands. It's like this. They can do it both hands and how accurate they can sling at a stone and not miss. And so when David is talking about this, I think that when he originally went after the lion, the bear, he struck it with a stone because shepherds are deadly accurate with this. And then when the lion or the bear like rose up, and in this case, you know, David's like, I took that lion by the beard and I took my rod. That would have been the rod. And I went after him and I struck him and I killed him. So I like to say that it's both the rod and the staff and the sling. Uh, but David is obviously just highlighting the rod and the staff. And so even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Now, comfort is what David is after. That's what he's highlighting. And I would say that it's not just the rod and the staff, they comfort me. It's the rod and the staff because the shepherd is with him. And I think this is where this is just really helpful to take something home, you know, for us in the midst of this teaching, is that one of the things David highlights is that the shepherd is present. 
that there are times when we're going through our deep darkness, our, our valley, the shadow of death, and it just feels like God is out there and away from us and not necessarily unconcerned, but just not intimately present with us in the midst of our circumstances. And David goes, no, no, that's not the case. Like this is a shepherd who walks with us, who is with us in the midst of our circumstances. And, and he's got a rod and he's got a staff. That staff is going to help us get back on track where we're going off the path in the midst of our deep darkness. He's there to help us where we're stumbling, where we're falling. Maybe where we're allowing our, peer, uh, our fear to lead to that paralysis like we talked in the last one. This God is there to help get us back on track. And that brings David comfort because he knows that not only is the shepherd present, but the shepherd cares deeply about the flock. And then he's got a rod. He's got a rod to protect. He's got a rod to, 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 to ward off evil. And I think this is the one part of this aspect of Psalm 23 that can be a stumbling block for us. Because what David doesn't say is that the shepherd is with me. He has a weapon to ward off evil. And I'm going to be 100% safe. David knows the reality of what it means to go through a valley of deep darkness, of how vulnerable the desert experience is where sheep and goats flock, or where, where, where they, they flourish, you know, they thrive in the midst of the flock. And yet David goes, I'm not going to fear evil. And this is where I think that what David isn't saying is that I'm always going to be kept safe because friends, we've all lived life long enough to know that that isn't the case. We know that the world is very dangerous. We know that there are things that happen to us. But I think the big thing that, that's being highlighted is I'm going to fear no evil. And evil is contrasted with good. And you start going back to the garden. You go back to the beginning of the story where sin and death enter because Adam and Eve eat from the tree and now brokenness and pain and cancer and heartache and divorce and all of this, just all these things that just bring so much pain in our world um, comes into the story. And it was not intended to be that way. And I believe that what is being said here is that even though I walk through the valley of deep darkness, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Is that ultimately, friends, especially because we know the rest of the story, is that evil and pain and brokenness and death, they don't get the final say. God does. Jesus has risen from the dead. He has conquered sin and death. That Jesus gets the final say. And so when we experiencing these in our lives, we just have to be reminded, yes, God has the rod. He has ultimate power. He will make things right in the end, even though we don't understand why certain things happen in the midst of our circumstances now. This is a God who has the rod. He will defeat evil in the long run. It was defeated at the cross, but it will come into full awareness and reality at the very end of the story. And we can trust our shepherd in the midst of life circumstances, in the midst of what we're going through, because this shepherd is with us. This shepherd loves us. This shepherd is crazy for us. And this shepherd is guiding us in the midst of life's circumstances. So friends, there you go. Psalm 23, all the rest of verse four now, and, uh, and there you go. So thanks so much for hanging out today. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. And may you walk out the text well in your life.